Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host the head groundskeeper of the Chicago Cubs, Mr. Dan Kiermeyer. This is an incredible episode because there are so many great things discussed about Major League Baseball groundskeeping, while also just showing the instant connection between sports field managers and how awesome our industry is as a whole. Uh, it's an incredible conversation about so many different aspects of what we are as an industry and the challenges we face and how we face them head on and really just go and get done what needs to get done and that's what it's all about and we always love to hear the stories that we have and Dan has an incredible story about how he found his way through hands-on learning and enjoying his time and understanding the need to further his education and further his knowledge to be prepared to take on the role as the head groundskeeper in Major League Baseball Um, and it was just great to talk about how he's been a mentor to such incredible industry leaders that are now moving forward like Morgan Hunter being the third head groundskeeper in minor league baseball just incredible stuff that we really dive into and really we hope you enjoy to get to hear what Dan has and we cannot thank him enough for taking the time we hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger Turf Talk Good afternoon and welcome to the 72nd episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller. We have an incredible guest today. We have the head groundskeeper of the Chicago Cubs, Mr. Dan Kiermeyer. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for taking the time, especially we're just talking one of the busiest times of year for baseball groundskeepers. Uh, I know I've got a few friends I've been talking to that are running around with their heads cut off with changing of the bags, changing of the distances, changing of X, Y, and Z, and the bargaining, changing everything on you guys. Like, oh, by the way, you have to change this today because we changed it the day before. So sorry, you know, Um, but baseball is back. You know, Um, you sort of went through this a little bit with COVID, um, not knowing the uncertainty and obviously the collective bargaining or whatever it's called that they just finished up. You guys, once again, were sort of left in the lurch, you know, um, what was it like for you sort of getting prepared? Uh, I think it's a month delay. I could be wrong. A uh, little bit more than uh, a little bit less than a month. What has it been like for you guys yeah. and uh, your crew just sort of getting prepared for the season and how things have changed because of that delay? Yeah. I mean, for us, I mean, honestly, nothing has really changed. We're, we're still preparing as normal um, this time of year every year we're, we're doing whatever we can to kind of get that field into shape, you know, and, uh, you know, given the weather this year, it's been a, a little bit more of a challenge, um, due to our, uh, extremely cold temperatures that we've had and continue to have going forward. Oh, but, nature, uh, give us a break. <laughs> right. I know. Um, but, um, getting back, we knew whether, you know, baseball was going to be here or not, there was going to be something like had, you know, anything, been delayed with the season we would have filled that void with something so we had to have the field ready regardless um and uh so yeah it's just kind of the normal preparation um going into this year um nothing has really changed from our perspective i know you know a lot of other people were you know in the cubs organization we're dealing with you know certain certain things but from our standpoint we were you know just focused on trying to get things ready for you know uh april 7th which, so with that, there are a lot of things crazy. that go into it, you know, and you guys being in Chicago, we we're talking about the weather. 
What are some of the biggest things that you're focusing on to ensure that you're prepared for, again, sort of a cold start compared to most of the MLB? Um, and how are you ensuring that playing surface is prepared for it to play like it's the middle of the summer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's been a it's been a tough spring. Um, normally at this time, I just saw the day we're supposed to be, you know, our average high is 52 degrees today. I think I got up to 33. So um, and looking at this this whole week, you know, we have lows down you know, in the twenties, um, and that, you know, the low thirties. And, uh, so that presents a big challenge. Um, but like I said, it's just kind of taken, you know, each and every opportunity that you're given, you know, with, you know, if you do have a sunny day and, you know, you can get out on the field, it's, it's dialing in, you know, all of our clay edges. We, we brought in our contractor last week and we regraded everything, warning track, um, infield, got everything kind of dialed into close to where we want it. There's still, you know, some tidying up to do, but uh, as far as the turf goes, I mean, like I said, we're just, you know, we we've hit it with a couple, um, you know, a couple sprays. Um, We've put out a little bit of granular so that, you know, when the mother nature decides to give us a little bit of growth that we have, you know, the things in place that kind of kick it into gear. But right now it's just, um, you know, we have a pr- big preseason checklist and we're, we're in charge of a lot more than just, you know, the, the, we're the, the grounds, um, the grounds crew here at Wrigley, we, we are in charge of the scoreboard during the game. We, you know, are in charge of hanging all the flags around the stadium, outside landscape, you know, so there's, there's a number of things that we're trying to, you know, get into place before opening day here in a week and a half. And it's just uh, little by little we're, we're getting there, but um, there's still a long road ahead. Very impressive. There are a lot of flags in Wrigley, if I remember. (laughs) There is an absurd amount of flags in Wrigley. So, um, again, yeah. And I give the guys that do that a lot of credit because they're up, you know, a couple hundred feet. And uh, you'll never see me do that. I'm a groundskeeper for a reason. (laughs) I I like my two feet on the ground. Thank you very much. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, I have some guys that, you know, they have no problem doing it. And uh, so they're actually going to be doing that probably tomorrow. So, Nope. Hopefully it's not windy because <laughs> I would be <laughs> yeah. nervous even if I was on the ground. <laughs> I, trust me. I, yeah. And the way that swirls here at, you know, Wrigley, um, I don't know if it swirls as much as it does up top as it does down on the field, but you know, something with the direction of the field. I mean, we get, it's like a wind tunnel in that place. Thank you. Lake effect. You know, it's always, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. Windy that city for and, uh, a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that lake, sometimes it can be your best friend, you know, when it helps, you know, push a storm, you know, when we have an East wind coming off the lake and uh, you know, sometimes you'll see a storm and it'll just kind of break down as it gets closer. But then sometimes you'll have these little, uh, you know, rainstorms that aren't even showing up on radar and you know it's just this fine mist and it just lingers and it's (laughs) it can be a pain in the butt too but uh you're just sitting there like you're just being a pain in my butt now mother nature thank you for that oh yeah (laughs) one more thing you can do to us right (laughs) exactly yeah um you sort of hinted at again you have so many different duties in the actual uh stadium on a day-to-day basis and you hinted at the fact that you would have filled the gap of what the season was, right? Um, It is something that Major League Baseball is probably the number one, um, not culprit, but like number one business in a sense when it comes to non-baseball events 
especially during the heart of the summer. And I think Wrigley is pretty well known for being very much a famous location to hold concerts, different events and stuff like that. Uh, what has it been like for you to sort of, again, sort of take on all those different things? And I think, do you have a soccer team there as well? Uh, no, no soccer. Thankfully we, uh, we, like I said, we fill all of our summer, you know, gaps with, with concerts. And yeah. uh, so yeah. with that, there are so many things that you're worried about. What has it been like for you? Um, you've been on for over five years now, correct? I've been with the Cubs since 2015 and this is, I'm entering my third year as head ground. Okay. So how has it been like for you sort of transitioning into, again, taking up that, uh, okay, they're covering my field. I have to deal with this, you know, in the sense yeah, of the middle I mean, part of the season. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, me having the perspective of being an assistant, you know, for a number of years and kind of, you know, because this is something they don't teach you in school. Like you get into the, the concert mode and it's just a completely different animal. And like, until you've either worked with, worked in them or talked to somebody who's worked in them, it's, it's just, it's not your normal preparation. And here at Wrigley, it's, it's definitely uh, difficult because we only have one entrance in and out of the stadium and it's, it's coming off of a city street. So Five feet from the street to the field, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and there's not much room for like the trucks to come in and you know get you know for the the cranes and all the flooring and all the 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 scaffolding that goes up for the the stages. So we're kind of forced to we have to cut out a 2,400 square foot block out in right field each and every time just so that we can set up drivable flooring, um, and it's just part of the you know it's what we have to do because we know with that, you know, that flooring being down for a week, that grass has no chance to survive, especially in the heart of the summer. So we just get ahead of it so that, you know, when they do pull it up that we're ready to go. And then, as you said, I mean, it's, it is very stressful, you know, because a lot of times these concerts are, you know, they're in June, July, and August. That's our hottest months of the year here in Chicago. It's, you know, our disease pressures are highest. It's, a lot of things that you kind of have to worry about. Um, and have you been to Wrigley before? I have. So we have next to nothing as far as like storage. I was say the um, shop we don't, itself is probably we, minuscule, right? It's we don't have, yeah, we have an area to store, you know, um, I think it's two mowers, two gators and, you know, our sand pro. And then we have a little room that we store all of our batting practice equipment. It's, this much space between each thing, right? Yep, exactly. That's so yeah, you know, and uh, so we have to empty out all those spaces, you know, with all of our equipment, all of our batting practice equipment, and we have to take those to a, a storage area two blocks away. So you can imagine, you know, a Sunday night after a Cubs game and, you know, everybody's, you know, going out to the bars and you're driving your car or Just whatever and you see a, a batting cage, you know, <laughs> the turtle. That's amazing. You know, going down Addison. It's so it's like definitely hand me a beer, its, people. Uh, Come on, hand it over. Support your exactly, ground. Exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh it's definitely unique in the sense that we kind of have to get creative with the space that we're given. And um, like I said, come those concerts, we have to empty all of our equipment out of the stadium and uh, you know, flip things over, you know, in a pretty tight time frame so that the concert people can bring their stuff in and get going. And it's uh it's chaotic. It's, it's, it's a frenzy, but it's also keeps you on your toes and you're never bored at that place. 
say that's more than chaotic. I, <laughs> I've heard yeah. stories and I've been a part of stories for concerts and it's like, I can't believe we had to do this. And now you're saying you had to move it everything two blocks away. You yeah. think that maybe like the Cubs might have bought like the building across the street, you know, from your shop. It's like, hey, this is a little extension, you know, keep yeah. your spray rig over there. All the stuff that you don't really need all the time that you can That'd just drive cool. across the street for a minute, you know. That'd be, nice, That'd be right? great, but um, <laughs> it also, you know, it's just something that we're never going to bank on. No, no. I mean, the fact they moved the bullpens inside, I heard, was nearly impossible. Yeah, but that's been a great, um, you know, addition, I guess, or, you know, upgrade because the way that we dump our tar, we have to dump it towards left field, and that's the Cubs side. Gotcha. Um, and the way that our pitch kind of, you know, in our foul territory, you know, drops off. Yeah. Every time we dump that thing, our right home to the bullpen, uh, home bullpen's catcher, catcher spot would get flooded, you know. So we had to have to, you know, pull an extra tarp to try to, you know, get any excess water that would be flowing downward, you know, to go on yeah. top of it to get to our drains and complete pain in the butt um the catchers can take the wetness okay they get pretty big tips from their million dollar pitchers they catch you around you know like yeah true but if, you, <laughs> if you're pulling a pregame and you know you have your starting catcher out there and he's you know squatting in some mud you again know, they, they can handle it you know what i mean how about you come pull the tarp you know mr i make 500 million dollars <laughs> like Break off a chunk and we'll fix the problem, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> if only that's how right. the world worked, right? But that being said, like I said, having all those clay areas that were, you know, sloped off out of the off the field now, it's been dream come true and never having to worry about, you know, tarping those things, you know, in the middle of a rain delay, because that's oh that's true. That was another thing, yeah, you know. So yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome for sure. Um with that has and I it sort of sounds like it really didn't impact that much. I know there's been a lot of renovations around the park and everything. Has anything impacted you? Has there been additions to landscaping stuff? Has there been different things that you have sort of gained more work in the sense or like maybe benefited, maybe if they thought of you? I probably yeah, don't um, <laughs> you know, our our grounds crew, our like locker room where all the guys are, you know, pre, pre-shift, post-shift for their breaks and everything like that. Um, it's actually the old Cubs clubhouse out in left field. And, you know, the Bears used to use it back when they played at Wrigley. So, but that being said, until 2020, or right, or 2019, winter of not 2019 going into 2020, it hadn't been upgraded in who knows how long. So, <laughs> you know, part of that, you know, at the tail end of all the construction, we got uh, an upgraded room and, uh, that's you know, nice. so that they've, they've spruced that up a lot. That's um, cool. we did, you know, we have a, like a little plaza area outside of the ballpark now. Um, and originally, you know, it was about, uh, five, 5,000 square feet or so. And it, it was all natural grass and it, it's kind of a, you know, an area for kids to play. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go backtrack. I think it was like 15,000 square feet. So it was a pretty big spot. Um, but that being said, like, you know, you have thousands of fans out there every, every game, you know, trampling it. We'd have farmer's markets. We'd have, you know, things like that. We'd have to resod that area, you know, four to five times a season, you know, because of the amount of traffic that, you know, we had going on and, you know, we'd kind of correlate it with, you know, anytime we'd be doing sod inside the ballpark. So 
you know, a normal sod job, you know, those aren't the most fun days and then turning it into, you know, sodden. It's mini field on the other side doesn't help. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I remember one time, you know, we, we had just laid the last piece of sod and they set up tents on, you know, for their farmer's market. And they just, you know, three days later, it almost looked like it did before, you know, because it all dried up and burnt out. And, uh, thankfully I want to say we did two years of that. And then, you know, I'm an, I'm the biggest advocate in the world for natural grass, That's but in is. that sense, we it just went artificial, purpose, you know, it, it saved us a lot of work and, uh, it looks good all the time. And, everybody's been happy so it's 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 worked out well for it's us. also not like a, a full-on field you know what i mean it's like a common space it's not the end right, goal, and, right? <laughs> and like i said i mean they, they have like you know movie nights out there they have exercise classes they have you know all sorts of events and you know with the amount of traffic and you know for as little as that we can we could find the time to get out there and keep it looking good it, it made all the sense in the world to go to artificial 100%. out there you know, and yeah. again, like that's shouldn't be your priority and you shouldn't have to like be a hundred percent like committed. Like, Oh no, they're on it again. Five seconds after I put the sign down, <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of ridiculous. You think you just block off something, but again, the, the uh, money train never really ends if that's the right term for it. And, so. you know, I mean, for, from their perspective, you know, they have, you know, a limited time, especially being, you know, in a Midwest climate, you know, it's, you have to maximize that field from, April to the end of October, really. I mean, that's kind of your time frame. And uh, uh, when you kind of get into this line of work, you know kind of what you're getting into. And it's going to be a grind for, you know, six or seven months out of the year. And then, you know, you get to back off a little bit, you know, in the wintertime. But so it's, it's give and take. 100%, 100%. Um, what are some of the things, and you sort of discussed some of them right now, getting the grade and everything for the infield. What specifically for you are you focusing on in these last two weeks getting into again, just sort of maybe the groove of, okay, guys, 10 game homestand. This is what we're doing. This is what you need to expect going into the away stand air rating, top dressing, stuff like that. How are you sort of getting that schedule right with maybe some new guys that you have on staff? Obviously, hopefully your assistant stayed or they moved on to a better job. Uh, what is it about sort of your crew and what you're doing now to ensure that they're prepared for, again, what you call a grind of a season, you know? Yeah. Um, we had a football game last, last fall. So we had to, you know, tear all that out. And I think our last piece of side got laid December 6th. And, you know, we had, you know, pretty much the day after Thanksgiving until that time. Um, so it was maybe 10 days. And then our weather, you know, got really bad after that. Um, so we, we had to really cram a lot in there. So, you know, things weren't, you know, to spec. Um, we had a lot of, you know, we hadn't built a mound yet. We had just installed all a four inch column of dirt edge, you know, on our infield. Um, you know, so there was a lot of little things that just, I mean, we had, we had a field in, but all the detail work that, you know, your edges, your, you know, our grade, you know, after, you know, being, you know, having snow on it for a winter and, you know, you get, you know, we had, we had to settle pretty good, you know, in spots. So we had to add, you know, 25 tons more, you know, of dirt edge, you know, to it to kind of bring it back up to grade. We had to add, you know, about 50 tons of warning track due to, you know, having to excavate, you know, some of it out to get to field grade for a football field. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of bringing, you know, all those things that you had in place with the last field kind of back up to par, 
with this one. Um, like I said, we, we've top dressed, you know, about 50 tons, you know, of sand, you know, 25 last, last uh, winter, I guess, um, before the winter. And then with another 25, you know, just a couple of weeks ago to kind of warm up that surface as much as possible. Like this time of year, we're just really trying to manipulate that grass to get growing because like I said, right now, um, with the temperatures that we've had, we, we really, uh, I mean, we don't have any field heat or anything like that. So we're, we're just trying to do everything we can in our power to kind of get things jumping. So. Absolutely. Um, who, uh, makes up your crew? It's you and two assistants, three assistants. Yeah, it's me, two assistants, and then we have six more full-time guys. So I, I have one of the bigger crews, but like I said, during the games, I'll lose one guy does the balls and strikes for the, you know, the scoreboard. And the other guy is <laughs> running, you know, the, the, you know, however many teams are playing up there. So that's uh that's one full-time guy. And then it usually requires three, three other part-time guys to kind of manage that. So we lose a few guys in that sense. Um, Normally on a typical, let's say at night game, we have two guys here in the morning, you know, to do any, like pulling the tarp, you know, doing all of our mowing, nail dragging, you know, all, all like the, the cleanup and everything like that, the pregame stuff. I'm sorry. What was that? All the maintenance before the game, all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So those two guys, and then we'll typically, you know, this year we're, we're bringing back our intern program. And so we'll have a couple interns with them, you know, and a handful of part-time guys just to help those guys out. Um, getting all the batting practice equipment and gear in, in shape. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, a lot of times, you know, pregame clinics or things like, you know, just minor stuff that's going on in the field. So they'll manage all that. And then uh, the rest of the crew will come in, you know, typically, you know, noon or one and uh, pick up from there. But yeah, eight, eight full-time guys. And then uh, I just checked, I think we have 54 part-time guys for, you know, our, our tarp crew, um, which, you know, a lot of college kids, a lot of teachers and things like that. So it sounds like a big crew, but, uh, a lot of their times are, you know, a lot of the guys we get are, you know, May to August bulk. Really. So they have this time. We have this time. It's usually like probably 15 a night Mm -hmm. like that for the part-time guys. Yep. Yep. It's right around 20, I think is what we shoot for. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was, I was actually interned for the Cubs, uh, the year they won. Uh, was, 2016 yeah. yeah 2016 i was pretty close uh it was talking to justin and he said something about hr having a problem i ended up going uh to pittsburgh with matt brown because i had been with him in new york the year before uh but did heinz and uh pnc so that was this close cool. and then you guys won yeah. i was like well geez that was that probably would have been fun you know um yeah uh, i don't want to rub it in but it, it was a lot of fun but oh, uh, come on wrigleyville had to be <laughs> insane that entire week you know even like it's probably three weeks you know one week of the actual playing one week of celebrating one week of trying to still come off of it you know <laughs> 100 years kind of does that to you you know so, yeah it, it was it was quite the uh the uh party that's for sure it was, it was <laughs> the best way to yeah. say it right um, something that you know I, I you know for me like that was you know probably the coolest thing i'll ever experience in my career and you know they could win 10 more but that first one you know that no one had ever seen it was just uh something magical about that whole season you know like every every little thing kind of went their way they didn't have a lot of injuries they won every close game it was just one of those magical runs that you know 
obviously it only happens every so often. And, you know, cause that with that team, you know, I kind of, you know, I think a lot of people thought that they would win, you know, they'd go on kind of the giants run that they went on in the late two thousands and, or, you know, 2008, 10 or whatever, 12. And, and then a little break. Yeah. Little you know, it, it felt like it was going to be something like that. And then, you know, turns out it, it didn't happen, but, uh, but that being said, it was, it was the coolest experience that I had I'd ever had in my life. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Uh, I mean, everybody was a Cubs fan that day. No one could not be right. You know, even the St. Louis Cardinals fans and all the people that hate the Cubs, they were all Cubs fans that day. It's crazy. And, and, you know, it was just like the wildest like game ever, you know, the Cubs had the lead the whole time that game seven, and then they ended up blowing it. You know, I think it was the eighth inning and, a guy that hadn't hit a home run since, you know, mid July <laughs> takes one yeah. out off Araldis Chapman, the most got a little Araldis Chapman being the guy that always loves to keep you on your toes, you know? Oh man. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, I tell you what, I don't think they they're in that spot without him because no, you know, they're both they still in win the trade. Year. They still win the trade. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It didn't matter if Gleber was a star, which is not no offense to Gleber, but it was, now or never in their mind and they made it now you know so yep. that was that was the big thing and that was yep. it was so cool so it's like there's said, really it just, no value to it <laughs> right and like i said it just it felt like every move they made that year it just kind of worked out and that was like i said I, obviously it doesn't happen you know and it's like you look around and other teams like you know, or other sports, it's like you have these teams that go on these long runs, but baseball, it's like, you don't have a lot of repeat champions, you know, like, I guess probably the Red Sox have had the most success here in the last 20 years. But uh, even then it's like, nobody goes back to back or anything like that anymore, how they used to. It's just, it's, it's just crazy. But no one's the giants, you know, I did forget who I was talking to the other day though. The one that is insane is March Madness. There is, very few other than wooden that have repeated on so many like coach K has one like yeah supposedly the greatest coach of all time outside of again wouldn't has one championship you know and it's his fifth final four this year like that is an achievement like over 30 years of coaching like that's extremely difficult you know that's got to be insane yeah to put that together yeah. So I always, I'm always, it's what I love about baseball. You know, baseball is a, is a game of failures and everybody's like, well, if they're successful, I'm like, well, 300 is a hall of fame stat, you know, batting 300 is a whole yep. stat. Guess what? They didn't get a hit seven times, you know? So yeah, that's, what's great yeah. about baseball. Um, and that's actually what brought me to turf and to field ma- management. What was it for you that brought you to sort of, sports field management or turf grass management was it golf what where did your story sort of start and how did it sort of get to this point of being head groundskeeper in chicago yeah um i grew up playing sports my whole life just just kind of how you mentioned and uh you know it it didn't allow me to have like a, a job in the summer like a lot of kids did so you know one thing that i did my dad was like hey why don't you go mow some lawns around the neighborhood and you know so i started doing that and i never even thought I, I enjoyed it. You know, I liked it. I never in a hundred years thought of that as a career path. You know, I thought it was something to make 20 bucks, you know, a yard or something, you know, and I felt like I was rich, you know, at the end of the week when I had 150 bucks or whatever. But uh, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then going into college, my, my playing career, it was, it was done. Like, I, I mean, I had some looks from some smaller schools and 
it just wasn't really the route I wanted to take at that time in my life. And, uh, so I ended up going to Purdue and, uh, my first two years I was undecided. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had got a lot of college, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I ended up, you know, getting into, uh, physical therapy of all things. I, I did it because I think I saw a salary and I, I liked what, you know, what they started at and things Your like eyes that. Go, oh yeah. That's me right there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I did one semester of that and was like, this, this is not for me. This is not for me at all. And at the time, um, thankfully I was living with a guy who he had mentioned that he was doing turf science to me, but you know, but like at that time in my life, I'm 19 or 20 years old. And, you know, he says, I'm doing turf science. I, I don't even know what the heck he's talking about. What, what the heck is turf science? And, uh, I remember it was, you know, towards the end of that semester and I was kind of at a crossroads. I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. And I think I was sitting, sitting around having some beers with the guy and, uh, like, Hey, what, what is it that you do again? And he kind of started explaining, you know, I'm in turf science and I'm, you know, you can do the golf course route, which is with the route he, a lot he took, a lot of people take, you know, at Purdue, but, uh, um, so he, he started explaining, you know, it's like, yeah, you can do a landscaping business. You could, you can get in the sports turf. And, you know, at that time, like what, you know, rung a bell with me was like the lawn care aspect of it, because that's what I'd like to do. And I kind of look back and I'm like, Oh, I never hated that, you know? And like, why don't I give this a shot? So I just kind of completely put all my chips, you know, in the, in this kind of industry. And, uh, I remember I got into the, the class is the first time and they're talking about top dressing and things like that. And I'm like, I don't even know what that, what language they're speaking right now. Like what in the world? That was um, me. It's yeah. it was so funny. Cause you're sitting there. You're like, I was a smart kid in high school and I have no idea what is being said right now. And I've got like a bunch of farmers around me. I'm like, you all know what's going on. And I'm just like, yeah, I answer C no. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I remember people asking questions and I'm like, what in the world is a real mower? You know, things like, like just the most basic stuff. And, uh, but you know, I, I got into it and all of it, you know, like I picked up on it pretty quickly, but then, you know, my first internship was with a, a golf course back in my hometown, Fort Wayne country club. And I really enjoyed the work right off the bat, you know, like I, at the time I didn't golf at all. I'd never golfed in my life. And, uh, so I didn't know the first thing about a golf course, but that being said, like the, the work side of it all, like, you know, my days like flew by in an instant, as opposed to previous jobs that I'd had, you know, where, you know, it just, you're in one spot all day. It's just the time drags. And for me, you know, kind of being an ADD kind of guy, you know, like I like to do different things. I like to, you know, I can't just sit here and kind of focus on a, a computer screen all day or anything like that. I need to be moving around using my hands, doing different things. Um, and then after that, you know, the next summer I, I, you know, people had started mentioning, you know, you can get into the sports turf side of it. And so that was kind of the route I wanted to take. And I ended up interning with the uh, Staten Island Yankees and Ryan Woodley up there. And so he was kind of my first I know, introduction. I, I worked with him in New York. I was going to say, yeah, because yeah. I, I figured you might've crossed paths if you're in New York. Great and, guy. Uh, Great guy. Awesome. He was, it was uh, funny. Uh, he uh i forget what it was um him and uh his name is tim mcandrews he's the assistant yep. in new york now they they were awesome guys always took care of me when i was up there uh 
And uh, I was really excited for him when we got that job in Milwaukee. He definitely deserved yep. the opportunity. So sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And uh, so, yeah, um, he took me in and, you know, I, I didn't have a place to live. So he let me live with them. And, you know, I was, you know, that kind of guy. And, yeah. And like just the lifestyle between golf and sports turf, you know, I didn't have to be up at, you know, 4:30 AM every day. And, you know, that was close to me at Always that time. <laughs> and, and just like, like I said, going back at the time, like I didn't grow up playing golf. I love it now, but at the time I, I didn't know anything about golf. So like, it didn't really translate to me when I was on a golf course, whereas, you know, growing up playing baseball, like he told me to go do this or that, you know, go, you know, I knew my way around a ball field and, you know, having grown up, you, you kind of know a good field versus a not good, you know what I mean? Where hundred percent and at having playing experience, you know, like I knew what I liked, you know, growing up. So like that all like kind of easily translated. Cause I, you know, in college or, you know, at least my turf program, like we, we didn't get taught anything about any clay or anything like that. So yeah, it was, you know, Ryan teaching me and then, you know, kind of just being hands-on and kind of learning as you go, but I picked it up really quickly. Um, and then, you know, I uh, did a couple more internships. I did one more after that at the University of Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you know Jay Demink at all, but he's he's another great guy. And I've heard of him. I have never had the pleasure. One of the funniest people you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. So if you ever have an opportunity to get him on this, he's he's a riot. But sure. um, um, interned there. And then from there, I went out to the Camelback Ranch with the Dodgers and the White Sox. And uh, that was facility. kind of my Back, uh, really cool. Trip. Yeah, And, you know, I, for me at that point, like I said, I'd been an intern, you know, I, I knew my way around now, but like, this was my first full-time job. And, you know, for any young guys that are out there and, you know, you are kind of weighing different options. I think there's, if baseball is what you want to do, go jump into spring training because, you know, it was a 14 field complex with another half field and there's, you know, different mount you know there's thousand bullpens yeah exactly (laughs) like if you want to refine you know your craft that is a great place to do it and like i said it's just by repetition alone you know like you're doing everything and you know i think it was you know uh the head guy two assistants and then four four you know it was like six guys taking care of you know seven different fields on each side you know so it was uh, very few people (laughs) Exactly. And it's just, it, you know, it, the amount of work that you have to get done with, you know, it really makes you be efficient with everything that you're doing and like learn how to do things quickly. And it just, it was a great experience for me. Um, and then my last stop before I got to Wrigley, I was the head groundskeeper at uh, the Cincinnati Reds Urban Youth Academy, which was a four field complex that had just opened. Um, JD turf, um, advanced turf kind of helped set it up. So I, you know, partially worked with those guys as well as the reds and kind of managed that. So I got, uh, you know, management experience as well as like, you know, like I said, I was working with, uh, the field grading company, JD turf, and those guys kind of showed me that side of it all, you that's know? Huge. So, so that's huge. It, and that's another thing that you just don't learn, you know, in school is like how to grade a field, how to set grade and things like that. And it's just like, you have to learn it hands-on from somebody that knows. And uh, so like all those experiences were, you know, big, big, you know, parts of my story before I got to Wrigley. And, uh, you know, like I said, I got to Wrigley at 20, 2015 and 
you know, I've been here since and uh, it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. And I, it's funny you talk about, again, I agree with you in so many ways about how there's so little that you learn that is used in the workplace. You know, that's, and when I took this job, I, I sort of said that I was like, you know what? I learned so much from guys like Ryan. I learned so much from the experiences that I had being able to manage a field uh, in a manager's form, you know, like having the opportunity to do that at Virginia tech, things like what is expected of you. No one knows. And again, like I love my professor. Dr. Goatley is one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. If you put Dr. Goatley in your position, things are going to go wrong. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There are so many yeah, different things that we don't take into account when it comes to the classroom space in colleges. And I know yeah. it's not set up that way, but programs like Penn state who have specific like turf pathology and turf, whatever, like I feel like we could do a better job of setting up courses that focus on like, again, grading. Grading is the number one thing that I think is taken for granted on every field in the United States of America, that's not a professionally cared for field, you know? hundred yeah. percent. So when we're talking about things like that, like uh, Leah Withrow out in Reno, she has a AB force and I'm, I don't know if she has a grader on it, but like things like that, where you can have that on site is incredible. You know, people don't think about certain things like that, but it's being able to take again, what you learned in your internships and bringing that to light. So another thing uh, down at, was it the MLB symposium was the day after SFMA, correct? Yep. yep. Do you remember girl, uh, Gracie Hendricks from Syngenta? Did she talk? Yeah. I, yeah. I remember the name. Yep. So she, uh, she was uh, actually a, a classmate of mine at Virginia tech and she calls me and says, hey, I do all this work with all these fungicides and everything with the golf courses, but how are we using that for uh, MLB groundskeepers and whatnot? I was like, well, you got to think about the tarps that they're covering their fields with and the uh, concerts that they're covering the entire field with. You know, Those are the things they're concerned about and stuff that you need to focus on in the presentation so that, again, you could sell your product for things like that because golf courses aren't really doing that, so it's a whole different ball yeah. game that we didn't know about in our classroom because our professors didn't really understand that. Oh wait, these tarps are used on a daily basis and you're shading out your plant for, I don't know, probably four hours of the day, usually on average, if not more um, yep. things like that, that again, you bring such great points to again, your experiences and what came through. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of that being, incorporated into an educational space i mean i think it's it would make the world a difference because as you kind of spoke on like and I, I had a great education like i said i went to purdue and it was a phenomenal experience and i had great professors aaron Patton and kale Bigelow, guys that are you know know more about grass than i'll ever know hoping to have kale on here in the next couple of weeks yeah he's, he's a great guy very interesting um that being said it's like everything you learn in school, I feel like is kind of in a perfect world sense, you know? And that's when we have interns, like I stress to them, like we let the, the situation dictate kind of how we approach it. Like, yeah, you know, like we shoot for a certain nitrogen goal each year, you know, but if we have to go above that because we need more recovery, like it's just, so be it, you know, it's, it's, you can't always be in that four to five pound range. It's like, sometimes you just have to push the plant and get, get a response, you know, give it a little um, go-go juice, you know? 
Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's different year to year and it's never, it's never the same. Like this year will be different than last year was. And that, that was different from the year before. It's just, that's what's kind of interesting about this job. I mean, obviously weather dictates it, but then there's also, you know, concerts, there's, there's events, there's, there's different things, you know, and it, and it's kind of, I think having, you know, somebody like you to kind of be that liaison, you know, and kind of express, you know, somebody that's had that experience, you know, on both sides, it's like, this is, this is what we're doing. And this is what we're not being taught. Like, I think, I think that's like the gap in the education right now. It's like, you need more hands-on, like you just, there's, there's a lot of, a lot to be learned that isn't being taught essentially. 100%. And the, and the thing is, I, I don't, quite understand how professors haven't gotten that sort of informational feedback from people, you know, especially when you're talking about golf course superintendents and you're uh, Dr. Jabowarski at uh, Penn state probably has the number one irrigation uh, class in the country, you know, cause he's taken information back from again, superintendents and field managers and said, okay, where do we need to focus on? Like what's breaking the most? How do we need to understand that? And that's why he's an incredible professor. You know, it's just, understanding that there are things that we're just missing gaping holes. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, urology is a huge one, you know, 100%. talking to Ryan and Matt and those guys during like, Oh, are we going out? Or are we doing this? He's like, well, the front's coming in here and this is that. I'm like, how do you know all this? Like you're just like a groundskeeper. We're not supposed to know these things, you know, but yeah. it's something that adding to your tool belt is going to make a huge world of difference, you know? hundred percent. And, but you just kind of touched on it, but meteorology, uh, meteorology, it's like, like something, you know, I had, like I had a class in college and I don't know how much I retained from it because I I've been relearning it, you know, as I go for here, you know, and it's just, um, it's also kind of situational too. It's kind of knowing, you know, how your specific location, you know, how the weather, you know, patterns kind of, you know, differentiate, you know, like I said, with us having a lake, you know, literally <laughs> the whole new ball game within a mile, you know, that, that presents, you know, quite, quite an obstacle sometimes. And it's just kind of, you know, understanding what the time of year and kind of what, you know, mother nature is, you know, thrown at you in the past and kind of what to expect. But it, it, it's definitely something, like you said, that it's better to have that tool than to not. And, um, you know, it's, you know, especially for, cause you're, you're in the teaching mode. Like I, I wish I could go back and like, if, the way, you know, when I was in college, I was there to kind of get a grade and, you know, to have fun and, you know, it, it just, I was young. I wish, you know, I could go back now and, you know, sit in on some of those classes because there's a lot of, you know, valuable information that, you know, I probably let go in one year and out the other, but, uh, well, but yeah. class for me, that's what it was. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm right there with you. My, my professor was, it was hard to listen to. He's a great guy, but he had this stutter that was just like, <laughs> you're trying to listen is like, okay. Uh, uh, oh, okay. And the right. people that didn't show up to class got better grades than the ones that were there trying to learn. I was just, so <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> no. Yep. But I know I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Cause, um, I'm, I'm more, you know, my, my learning style is I like hands on and, you know, if it's just a bunch of numbers up on a screen and it's, it gets a little bit too analytical, like, I, I start to lose interest, you know, and I, I wish I was better with that because I appreciate the heck out of the smart guys that could provide that information. But I need, 
I need it to be dumbed down for me. You know, I like that, you know, <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, you know, that, that's you. my approach, you know? Yeah. And, so uh, that's, and that was my approach sort of making the program was again, right now we're maintaining uh, our mound the way I maintain a mound in the pros, like yep. using black stick. We're not using the full on, you know, I don't have time for that, but uh, we're right. using black stick. We're doing, we're learning the processes. They're doing edge work. They're doing all these things. Am I saying it's as good as a professional field? Absolutely not. But to what we can do, they're learning the same techniques that I did again at a level that it, we're able to sustain with money that we have, which is not much, but it works, you know? So right. that's the main goal is just teaching the techniques and understanding. And what we do is we focus on the classroom aspect in the winter when we can't get outside. We talk about why we're aerating. We talk about the differences in tines and what they do for the soil and how doing this with top dressing impacts the growth and all like, again, what we want to know as turf managers, not just, Oh, I know how to operate the aerator uh, just fine. Don't worry. Like having some background behind it, I think is important as at a young yeah, age. And, and I mean, it's, it's like, you, like, I don't care if you're on, you know, a little league field or if you're at Wrigley field, you know, a good edge is a good edge, you know? And like, that's something, you know, going back to your playing days and my playing days, it's like, you never want to be that infielder that doesn't know where a ball is going to go. If it hits that, you know, that transition, that lip area, you right know, in like, the face. That was my yeah, and that's what I mean. Everybody's been hit there. Everybody's taken one in, in the groin, you know, and it's, uh, you don't want, you want to, you know, have your players that are using your field. Like you want just consistent ball roll every single time. And, you know, it's, those are the fundamentals like of a baseball field. Like, I don't care if you're at the highest level or the lowest level, you want a good edge. And like, that's something that we stress, you know, each and every day, but it goes back. It's like the, the same principles applied when I was at the Cincinnati Reds Urban Youth Academy. It was just, you, you know, there's certain things that no matter where you are or what level you're at, like you want to emphasize. And those things that you kind of just touched on are all, you know, huge integral process, you know, parts of our process. So percent yeah. you know and that's that was another thing is taking it from again guys like ryan and guys like bill deacon and all these guys chris ecton and bringing that back just to sort of again it can be done by a teenager if you train them right you know what i mean so exactly it's exactly. it is a great opportunity for our kids which it's been great sort of developing everything we're growing so hopefully we keep doing that but uh um, Absolutely. When it comes to you, you know, three years at the helm, what has it been for you sort of developing upon what was once before as an assistant to creating a more efficient sort of your own type of grounds crew? Um, and again, Justin's a great guy and I, you've worked for him and had the opportunity to learn from him. What was it that you sort of brought to the grounds crew at Wrigley Field to create the most efficient fun place to work for your you and your guys yeah um you know I, we had a good system before i took over um and so for me you know it was you know maybe a little bit easier of a transition but um you know one thing that i always wanted to be like if i ever got into this position it was like i wanted to be the boss to the people to the employees that i always wanted to have you know i didn't want to come in and have all these ideas, you know, as, as an assistant and then not be able to apply them. Like I wanted to come in, I wanted to, you know, make sure that, you know, I was taking care of the employees just as much as I was taking care of the grass. Like, 
you know, as a manager, like you're only as good as the guys that, you know, are helping you get, you know, achieve your goal. And, uh, you know, my crew, I, I will put up there with anybody. Like we have, you know, the best guys, they are uh, the best group of people that, you know, I could ever ask to work for. And, um, you know, it's, it's just taking, you know, it's having fun. It's, it's, you know, obviously, you know, when, when time comes to work, it's, you got to work. And we, we have the guys that are able to do that, but it's also, you know, when you can scale back, it's, you can laugh, you can make fun of each other. You know, it's, it's, that it's those type of things that, you know, um, you know, they go a long way and you, you never want it to be too tense in the room or anything like that. But, uh, kind of getting back to what you said, I mean, it's just, it was just, when I took over, it was just small tweaks here and there. And, um, you know, like I said, when I was an assistant every single day, like every situ situation, you know, I would kind of just internally analyze, you know, how might, how I might do things differently. And, you know, for me, you know, it's cause until you're in this, this spot, like you don't know, but like, if you have, experience, you know, kind of, you know, living through those, you know, situations, just how I might do things different, how I might, you know, approach this thing. You at least are putting yourself in a position, like when you do get to this, you know, the, whatever your title is or goal, you know, like that you're ready, you know, to make those decisions. And it's, it's easier said than done. Like there's a lot of times like where you can, you know, question your boss and why are we doing this or why are we doing that? And you don't really know until you're in their shoes. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, like on the 10th day of a homestand and, you know, we're having to tarp after a game, you know, and it's just, it's, it's those kind of calls and situations, but it's, like I said, I, it's kind of, you know, scaling back when you can and making sure your guys are, you know, getting the rest and the time away that they need as well. Um, and, uh, like I said, it's just, it's been minor tweaks. Um, I haven't, you know, reinvented the wheel or anything like that. It's just been small tweaks that I think have been well received. Absolutely. Um, I'm still waiting for someone to invent the automatic tarp because, I I saw the field. I forget where it is. I think it's uh it's might be Real Madrid, but they have those trays oh, that are going in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this yeah. is my this is my concept. I'm trademarking this for anybody who's gonna steal this for listening. But right behind, we're gonna have again trays. You know the old modular systems they used to have? So we'll have one yeah. area that's the modular system, right? So what we'll have yeah. is it'll raise up out of the ground and then it's like a you pull it, you know, as a group, and then you stake it in. And then you just pull down the tray so that it's flat with the ground, right? So yeah. then you pick it up and you just lift up and pull back. And as it's going back, the water drains into the hole, you know, and well, voila, we're done. <laughs> I need you to invent that right now. Man, that would save us. I've always thought, you know, like when, you know, those automatic pool covers, you know, that just come exactly, up. Exactly. You know, like, right. Exactly. Something like that. Something that would like be... that, you know. Where it's literally just lift up five feet, everything drains off, and then you just let go and it rolls up perfectly. <laughs> That'd be, oh man, yeah, that would be, that would be the day that because uh, if you think about it, I mean, the tarp is probably the one thing over the last however many years, you know, that everybody's been doing this that's stayed the same. Like the one thing in baseball that all groundskeepers hate. <laughs> none of us like it, and uh, and like I said, nobody's found a better way to do it, really. You know, so yeah. Um, that, That'll be a lot of money out there for whoever's listening is uh, creative enough to 
come yeah. up with a different solution. You can just take you can take the idea. I'm not trademarking it. Make it easier for him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just a little money. Maybe the first million I'll take. You know, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were mentioning again, sort of making tweaks and whatnot. Um, and I never thought about it this way because, again, just being in New York and working and being in the same room as guys like, again, Matt and Ryan, two head groundskeepers now, you never really thought about that with Bill. Again, Bill's one of the greatest guys you ever meet. And yeah. he has so much knowledge and so much, like, again, talent when it comes to infield work and stuff like that. And you're like, you never really thought of Ryan and Matt just sitting there learning and understanding what it would take to, again, make those next steps and be those head groundskeepers that, again, everybody wants to be on staff with. Because like you said, taking care of your guys is important. And I think that was probably my biggest experience in the industry that other people had other issues with, like maybe their boss was rude or something or they were short with people. I'm like, I never once had any like major run-ins with anyone, you know? Uh, I'm sure Ryan wanted yeah. to punch me a couple times, but I deserved that, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like a situation that again I, I use as sort of a joke, even though it wasn't a joke at the time, and I know Matt wanted to kill me. Um, I drug a little too close to the wall, and I didn't notice like my first lap around. This is a wall pad left center, forty minutes for game, and I'm dragging the warning oh. track. And I come back around and I'm like, why is there a hole in the wall right there? And I turn yep. back around. I'm like, no, there's no way. I didn't do that. I'm like, I did that. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, um, hey, Matt, just so you know, I kind of put a hole in the wall out there. It's not noticeable. <laughs> it's noticeable. We have to call somebody. Like, <laughs> So they're literally out there like a pit crew taking the wall pad off and like taping it back. I'm like, Oh Jesus, it's going to go well. for yep. this night. And you know what? I, for me, I've screwed up enough to know that those things are going to happen. I've done, I've done that, you know, like it's, those things are going to happen. And, you know, for me, it's like, if it's not going to disrupt the game, if it's not, you know, it, it's a minor inconvenience right now. And yeah, it, you know, it puts us, put stress on whoever it has to come and fix it really quickly. But I try not to like, let, I don't, I don't, for me, I just don't ever want to lose my cool. You know, yeah. like it's, it's for, I've screwed up. I've, like I said, I've messed up enough. I've, I've messed up enough grass to know that things come back and things, everything can be fixed, you know, on that field, there's nothing you're going to do. That's going to like, you know, kill every, you know, yeah. Unless you actually, you know, unless you put, put the roundup round in, in there, something and you're like, crazy. What did I do there? Why did I put a roundup in the tank? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. But I'll, anything else, you know, it's. I just try not to ever like let something that I'll laugh about in you know five days, you know, let me you know make me lose my head right now because it's just. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's having two children, you know, I have two kids now and uh, I, I guess I'm just a little bit more patient, but um, yeah, it's just things happen and you just have to deal with it. Like that's, that's all you can do. And me yelling because I'm mad at the situation isn't going to help it. So. Absolutely. And I think that's huge for, again, people like me who were young at the time and like he had every right to yell at me and he didn't. And that was the, that's some of the biggest things for me that like, again, you want to work harder for that guy. You want to be the better worker. You want to, again, show that 
all right, you you're letting me have again a chance to redeem myself. Like those are the moments yep. that again you retain those people that a lot of people lose, you know. Um, and, it, and you know, a lot of times, like you can see it. You know, if somebody's really trying and you know making an effort, like you can you can brush off a, a little screw up here or there. You know, it, it might be a little bit more frustrating. You know, for somebody if it's you know something they do all the time and it's you know, maybe they're not catching on to that, you know, they keep messing stuff up, but for the people that are really, you know, they're, they're understanding and you know what, you saw that situation and you went and told them like, that's, you know, owning up to those, you know, little mess ups too. It's, uh, you know, it's sometimes the things that would irk you is if you find something that nobody brought to your attention and then that's kind of went, you know, a different story, but you know, if you own up to it and you're accountable, it's, you know, you can brush things off. The story I teach my kids. I said, if you break something and you don't tell me, what if someone else gets hurt using whatever you broke? Yeah. Stuff like 100%. that. Like, it's very simple. It broke. I accidentally hit something. Sorry. Okay. I'll fix it. We'll do it later. Like, you're fine. Like, <laughs> you're going to yeah. get right back on. That's my biggest thing is always because they're younger and they're learning. Like, you're going to get back on. We're, we're doing this. Like, this is happening, you know? Um, Definitely. So again, something that I love about my job is again, having the ability to be a mentor, you know, and have the, the time to again, develop these young, really young for when it comes to you working with younger individuals in the industry. Um, what has it been like for you? We've actually had Morgan on before uh, and she spoke very highly of you. Um, and it was like the third day after it was announced that she was a head groundskeeper that we had her on. Uh, what has it been like for you again, sort of being that mentor and being that guide for the younger generation of sports field managers coming in through Wrigley and whether it's internships or jobs or what, I, what has it been like for you to be a part of that? You know, that's, that's something I take really seriously because, you know, I would not be here right now had it, I not had good mentors, you know, in my career. And um, so that's something that, you know, anytime I can take somebody aside and, you know, teach them something new and just even if it's just explaining the most basic things like me taking two minutes to explain something why we're doing it as opposed to just kind of brushing it off and assuming they know it is kind of the difference between you know maybe something happening and maybe not and it's it's just the small little things it's you know trying to you know bring somebody along who has no idea what they're doing because that was me at one point and like I said a guy like Brian you know groomed me and so did countless other people, you know, like they took chances and they worked through, you know, me screwing up plenty of times. I really like, like I said, five minutes out of my day could, you know, be something that lasts a lot longer for them, you know, and small little conversations just here and there, like they, they make a big impact. And that's, like I said, something that, I try to do, you know, as much as I can. And, you know, anytime that I can, you know, get a guy or, you know, an intern on a mower, you know, and the team's going out of town, when we're wiping out a pattern, like I know nobody ever gets to mow on their internships and things like that. Mess like, this up a very little bit, but just follow the arc for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, just, you know, giving them those opportunities, you know, they're not going to hurt anything, you know, and yeah, we're not going to have an intern mow on game day, but you know, when, when there's those opportunities, it's like taking time to like show them and explain things to them. Cause that's, that's what they're there for. They're there to learn. And uh, like I said, I, 
I would not be sitting here talking to you right now if if I didn't have those people that did the same thing for me. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny because I was when you said like taking that five minutes, I was thinking about a time when I was talking to Bill and I'm sitting here asking the dumbest questions like how do you make sure like it's perfectly watered and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this guy has been doing this for how long? And I'm sitting here like a five-year-old child, like <laughs> you don't know how to water you idiot. Like I'm like, <laughs> and he talked to me. I was like, thank you for your help because in my mind, I didn't really understand properly. Again, watering but, an infield is such an art in itself. Yeah. Right? And no one really thinks about it. And like, you know, if, if this, you know, podcast had been around 10 years ago when I was coming up, like, you know, just to hear somebody like Bill or like Luca Yoder, who you've had on, like those guys, like what they say is gospel, you know, I'm like, cause they've done it, you know, longer than, you know, you're talking to the Godfathers. The you know what I mean? It's like, you, you want to soak up as much in that information as possible. And yeah, you, you know, when you're young, it's like, I mean, those are the kind of the people you look up to and that you want to, you know, kind of get to their level. And, uh, you it's hard to do that if you don't ever like ask them questions or, you know, understand how they, you know, do what they do or why they do what they do, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I want people, I tell people all the time, like, if you have any question, like, feel free to ask. I don't care if you think you, I'd rather you ask it and sound stupid as opposed to not ask it and do something stupid. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and I don't, I really don't think there's any stupid questions yet. Like it just, it's coming from a place of wanting to get to know or how to have an understanding. Absolutely. I will say I am a high school teacher. There are stupid <laughs> questions. There are some uh, yeah, very, well, <laughs> very stupid questions. I'm sure you're dealing with a lot more than I am. Um, the, the one that still haunts me to this day, freshman, I think it was my first year teaching. Actually, he was a freshman. And he's a great kid. And I think he's like in his uh, sophomore year of college now. And I'm sitting here and he, I'm giving like this lecture on trees. And he goes, Mr. Miller, do trees move to have sex? Like, do they like get out of the ground, find a quiet space and have sex? And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sitting there like explaining again, sexual reproduction with everything. And I'm sitting here and I, I drop my, my smart board little pen and I walk out of the room. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's no more. There's no more teaching. I can't do it. <laughs> Somebody come get yeah. these kids. I'm done. I'm like, now, now that you tell me that, I guess there are, yeah, there is such thing as a stupid question. But, again, uh, and again, like I love the kid to death. He got way better, but like I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't think there were stupid questions. I said that. I always said there's never a stupid question. And I heard this question. I was like, I have to take it back. It's done. No, <laughs> there are stupid questions. And I've had a couple uh, similar to that. I'm like, oh, goodness. I'm like, oh, where do your minds go? Like, think that As I'm explaining yeah. how it happens, I'm like, all right. Yep. This is it for me. I'm done. I retire. Yeah. I'm going back I, to the fields. <laughs> Grass I guess you kind of just have to put yourself in their shoes sometimes and say, you know what, I guess I, you just don't know what you don't know. And you don't even know you don't know it. I couldn't put the shoes on, honestly, because I didn't know there could be someone that's, that, that's ridiculously questioned ever. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> but that's funny. again, stuff like that, it's always fun to see. And like you said, I always tell my kids, ask before making a problem, you know, sort of yeah. like, hey, you don't know how to use the mower. Guess what? We've gone over it four times and you still don't know. 
come talk to me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. With everything, you know, one of the things that we, uh, as an organization, we're all sort of members of now newly named the Sports Field Management Association, I believe is the right term now. Yeah, um, I'm still trying to get used to that, but yeah. <laughs> Being there when it happened, our kids actually were the first ones to paint the logo at the convention center, which was really cool. Um, yeah, it was cool. What has it been? Uh, what role has it played in your career to be a member of the organization that sort of we all acc- are acclaim ourselves to as sports field managers? Yeah, I for me, the best part about, you know, everything SFMA is the networking, man. Like, you know, not having it the last couple of years because of, COVID, you know, it, you know, it's something you kind of bank on every year, you know, every, you know, January and it's, you know, to kind Our of, time. you know, yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, cause obviously, you know, when you've worked in this industry long enough, you've been a lot of places, you know, a lot of people and everybody kind of, you know, moves in their own direction and kind of finds their own career path. But, you know, it's, it's that time, you know, that you get a couple of days to kind of, you know, catch up, reminisce and, uh, you know, and then also just meet new people, you know, like uh, there's a lot of new guys that I met this year and um, it's cool to have that, you know, that resource, you know, where, you know, because as big as this industry has gotten, it's still, you know, what, uh, uh, maybe 2000 people that do it, you know, you know, worldwide, I don't even know, but like 4,200, 2000. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. But it's like, when you think about it on the grand scheme, it's, it's very, you know, small industry, you know, compared to, you know, other things that, you know, there's a million accountants, you know, it's, it's not like you could, it, so there's. I went to the GCSA and they said it was only 40% capacity what normally is. And there was like 7,500 people there. I was like, yeah, I know that, that community's yeah. got a lot, got a lot more, but there's also a lot more golf courses than there are, you know, stadiums. So it's kind of a relative, but kind of getting back to the question, it's, it's just a great place to kind of, you know, get to know people. It's, you know, for, for the younger kids, it's, it's a great place to, you know, see the new equipment that's out there to talk to the vendors that are selling it and trying to just like get an understanding on, you know, everything that goes into all of this. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I've been, you know, a member for, you know, close to 10 years now and it's, I look forward to that every single year because I, I, you know, really enjoy getting to see everybody and just catching up. Absolutely. I do. And I've met a lot of new people this year. Um, again, this was a really creepy encounter and don't get me wrong. I appreciate this man, but uh, he walks up hearing my voice around the corner. He's like, are you the tiger turf talk guy? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like, it's great to meet you. I was like, I'm retiring now because I didn't know my voice was that recognizable. <laughs> so, no, but it was great to meet people again that listen. And, and like, I was like, I never thought that would happen. But like you said, <laughs> right? meeting the new people is always great and having the opportunity to, again, network in a sense of, especially this year, like with my kids being there, it was great for them to see firsthand what could be, you know, um, yeah. which was awesome. And Savannah was a really nice place to have it. You know, it was cool. It was cool. And, it was my first time ever down there. And, uh, you know, I'd always heard so many great things and, uh, you know, actually get down there and check out that whole downtown, you know, what a, what a beautiful city that place was. hundred percent. It, it was, was really cool. cool. I'm excited for Utah. I've never been to Salt Lake. 
I have not either. So that'll, that'll be another good experience. It's cool to like, you know, that they, they kind of get to those places that are, you know, maybe non-traditional in betweeners. You know. Yeah. Not the yeah. San Diego, and, Florida. Exactly. Which, you know, I'll never complain if it's down in San Diego or Florida, but at the San same Diego's time, always nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, but it's, it's cool to see these places that otherwise you might not have an opportunity to go to. So 100%. I really enjoy that. hundred percent. So we wrap up on these last two questions and I, I always love to hear again, what you got, what everyone thinks, because it's so unique to who you are and your experiences and what you've accomplished in your career. Um, again, this isn't to make it easier in any way, shape or form, but if there was one thing that you wish you knew heading into it, you know, with the, the fact that the, you found out about turf science through a friend, by the way, does the friend say, Hey, I get free tickets. You know, I'm the one that brought you to turf. Does he give you that crap or no? He, he lives here in Chicago too. Of course he's, he does. Uh, yeah. He's a golf course guy, but uh, yeah, I, I take care of him when I can. So <laughs> sorry. I just I popped in my head. I was like, you know, he's just begging for tickets. It's like, you oh, wouldn't absolutely. be doing this without and, me, you know? <laughs> exactly. I owe uh, a lot to him. Yeah. Um, what was it that you wish you knew sort of heading into the whole idea of that? Um, you know, I, when I got into it, I didn't know how many places it could take me. And like, you know, I've, I've been out to Phoenix, you know, I've lived in New York, I've lived up in Michigan, I've here in Chicago and I was down in Cincinnati. It, it, there's just so many different avenues that you can take. And like, you kind of learn that as you go, but there's, it's just a really cool sense that, you know, like you can, you know, kind of have this this track where you're on the field and I don't know, it, there's just something special about being on a baseball field and, you know, being involved with it, you know, it's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, something I think I wish I knew at the time, you know, me coming up, I was always, you know, I'd be at one job and I'd be trying to, you know, looking for the next one, more money, whatever. And, I guess my advice, it's not something I wish I knew. I just, I, I wish I did a better job of it was, would be to just to kind of stay present in what you're doing, you know, right now, because there's always, you know, opportunities to learn, meet new people, do new things. And it's like, if you're always peeking around the corner for the next, next thing, you're not really going to enjoy what you're doing right now. And I look back at some of those times and yeah, I was just on the come up and I was just a, you know, there wasn't any special title or anything like that, but they were some of the most fun days of my life, man. And I really, you know, I had a great time, but I wish I would have soaked it up more too, you know, because there's, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, when you're naive and you don't know anything better, it's just like, you don't have any, any stress, you know, and life is fun and you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And it's just enjoying each step of the journey and just not ever trying to like, you know, don't, don't, I mean, it's good to have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, but life happens and you just kind of have to adjust. And so I, I guess my, my biggest advice would be just to like stay in the moment and have fun with what you're doing right now. And, you know, things will come. Love that. Be present. And that's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I actually responded to a tweet the other day and um, do you know John Klinsman? I, I, yeah, uh, Ensworth, in Tennessee, Tennessee or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he asked like, what makes a good mentor? And the first thing I said is be present, you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's so true, you know, just being there, understanding what's going on and enjoy yourself. You know, I remember as a young, young guy 
going to different cities that weren't home and it was nerve wracking, but those experiences are just something that you just take for granted half the time. So um, it is. And, but it's when, when you have nobody else to lean on, you learn more about yourself than you ever will any other time period in your life. Cause I remember, you know, like I, when I got out to Phoenix, like I literally didn't have a single person I knew within 2000 miles of me. And it was time for me to like grow up. And I did. And I, you know, it forced me to finally go meet new people and do different things. And just, you know, it, 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 it really puts your back against the wall to like grow up and, you know, figure out everything for yourself. Absolutely. I don't know if I could do that in Phoenix, by the way. I enjoyed my time there, but there is literally like nothing other than sand. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that um, I, I loved it out there. I had a blast. It, the hardest part for me was like when you got away from the ballpark and you didn't see any green anywhere. Because you, you know, obviously, you know, like you kind of take that for granted, you know, like when you grow up and, you know, you're, you're on the East coast, I'm yep, in the Midwest and like having your, your greenery, you know, and it's just like a, a simple, a lawn as opposed to a yard full of stone, you know, yeah. um, those are the small, small things that you don't even know or think about, you know, until you get out there. hundred percent, hundred percent for sure. Yeah. Um, and we always wrap up on this one for young kids, like in my class, again, who are interested, intrigued, thinking about going into the industry, what would be your best words of advice for them sort of just starting off, maybe looking into what could be and what the possibility could be with something like, again, in baseball, I, I remember I missed that rush, you know, it's so much fun. You know, the first last 45 minutes for a game is always just like you're moving. Everything's got to be perfect. Yeah. Chalk paint, whatever yeah. it is that you do, get it done, move water. Yeah. Like, those, those were the days that you're just like, this is, this is it. Like, let's do this. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, those moments, what would be your best words of advice for our kids and our students and the idea of joining the turf grass industry? Um, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about getting into a, a turf, it's the coolest thing about it is everything you do is tangible and you get to see, you know, your hard work um, pay off. I would say, you know, more so for just any advice I have for them, there's two things in the world that you can control and it's your attitude and your effort. And, you know, nobody likes to be around a guy that has a bad attitude and nobody likes to be the guy that doesn't put in the effort, you know, into their job. If you come into work every day, you know, and you have a good attitude and you, you know, have a good work ethic, you're going to go a long, long way. You know, um, you don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to, you know, be the physically most fit or anything like that. If you bust your butt and come in every day and do your job and just really grind it out and have a good attitude doing it, laugh at yourself. Cause we all screw up the people that take themselves too seriously. Those people are hard to be around, laugh at yourself, have fun, but your attitude and your effort are two things that you can't control each and every day. And our job, obviously there's so many things that you can't control with being the weather, being, you know, the, whatever the circumstances, you know, like I have a 10 game homestand and follow that with, you know, concerts, you can't control that. Like you just have to deal with it. And, you know, part of that is, you know, having a good attitude and just kind of developing a plan and just, you know, always think ahead in this job too. You know, when, when you're planning out your year, uh, you know, you obviously have to adjust on the fly, but I mean, have plans in place and, you know, when shit hits a fan, like be ready and, you know, but 
your attitude and your effort are going to carry you through, you know, pretty much any situation that you ever get through. I love that. I actually, so I, I have a presentation. I know it sounds stupid, but I have a presentation of like the 10 things that you can control. And those are two of the big ones, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like being like, on time takes no skill. No 100%. Time. Exactly. Uh, work ethic. Your attitude, yep. like you said, effort, um, trying to remember the others, but stuff like that, like the stuff that the moment you wake up that you control, like those are the things that will either make your life what you want it to be, or you'll just hate yourself every single day of the, your life, you know, which is a yeah. sad statement, but it's very, very apparent nowadays during COVID. And I shouldn't say post COVID because I'll probably get canceled, but again, like, <laughs> moving towards this time frame where we're sort of getting back to a normal time, you know, where people have lost that lack of effort, the loss, the lack of sort of love of working, the love of being with people It's stuff like that, that again, it, I think it's so huge what you're saying and how important it is to our kids and really just a bunch of human beings that even that I work with that are sort of like guys, like, what you project is what they're going to feel and they're going to give back to you, you know? So, um, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, it, you kind of touched on it, but I mean, I, I just hope that when things normalize, you know, people, you know, working is satisfying. Like, yeah, we have jobs that, you know, provide maybe more than, you know, your average day-to-day -day job, but, but like whatever it is you're doing, like, be good at it. You know, like don't go through the motions. Don't expect somebody to, you know, just, you know, give you a participation award with everything. It's like, go out, earn it and be good at what you do. And uh, like I said, at the end of the day, your attitude, and your effort are going to, you know, carry you through every situation, no matter what. Always be passionate is my big thing. That's what I always yeah. try to get across to my kids yeah. is if you're passionate about something, everything else sort of comes easy, you know? Absolutely. Uh, if you hate what you do, you're not going to have the effort, attitude, anything like that. Yeah. So, and that's what I try to do in my job is sort of instill that passion for sports fields, you know, and understanding what turf can bring to them as an opportunity. Like you said, so many different areas that you can go into. Like, and we have some of like the the big names, the incredible people that have always been sort of example, Luke Yoder being with Pittsburgh and then the Padres and now working for, again, it's not a retirement job, but working for people like Dura Edge and stuff like that, where and like he's taking a step back and focus on him and other yeah. things. So um, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time. This has been incredible. Uh, and I, I love doing this stuff, just like you said, having these conversations about what your story is and how uh, everything came to be and uh, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for the kids and everything uh, with this. So uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I really appreciate you having me on, man. You're doing an awesome job doing, you know, this podcast and, you know, kind of getting people's stories out there. And uh, I just, I really appreciate what you do. And um, like I said, I hope that, you know, all the young turf professionals, you know, out there, you know, are listening to, you know, all the content that you're putting out there and, there's a lot of good takeaways you can take from, you know, hearing people that have been been around and done different things. And um, uh, kudos to you for, you know, creating this and uh, keeping it going and having to be so successful. That's that's obviously, you know, a testament to you and your hard work and, uh, you know, all of your effort. So thanks for everything, man. I really Thank appreciate you so having much. me on I really here. I appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you.